it is about not just you and your emotions, right? I used to think like, I'm not an emotional person. Therefore, how am I going to be emotionally intelligent, right? I mean, some people just don't express their emotions the same. And so personality or how you are as a person may not necessarily have anything to do with all the aspects of emotional intelligence, right? It's just people look at you and go, your personality is you're an extrovert. Therefore, you're going to be an amazing X, right? Not necessarily. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the B2B Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Nils Vinya, and today my guest is Cameron Mariosius. Cameron, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nils. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I'm excited to have you on, Cameron. Now, this one's been a, a while in the making because we used to be literally one block, live one block away from each other in beautiful Bend, Oregon, where you still live, but I bounced there a few years ago. And the way we got, we found this out, which was really fascinating, was that at one of the Pulse conferences at City Hall during the party, you came over to me and said, a bunch of my team said, that's the Bend guy, because they heard me speak. (laughs) And you said, I live in Bend. And I was like, no way. And we found out that we lived one block away from each other. And it was such an incredibly small world. (laughs) <laughs> it was amazing. I will say I do miss meeting at the end of the street and taking our walking meetings to catch up. So <laughs> those were those were some nice walk and talks. It was great. And we had just awesome scenery. Bend is gorgeous. For anybody who's never been there, you got to check it out. Just endless, endless places to walk, endless scenery. And if you're going to have some meetings with a friend who lives one block over, be good to do it there for sure. <laughs> All right. So Cameron, today we are talking all about emotional intelligence. And this is one of my absolute favorite topics. It's meant a lot to me, you know, over the course of my professional career and my personal life. And I'm curious how you came to and how you came into the sphere of emotional intelligence period. When did you learn about this? Yeah, you know, it's interesting thinking back in preparation kind of for this conversation, but just in general. And I thought back to college and, you know, I did business school at at Linfield and, you know, you go through business school and this was not a topic. I might be aging myself a little bit, but back in the day, this was not a topic. And we talked about a lot of other things. And I feel like we spent a lot of time on marketing and how to make money, but we never spent a lot of time on, let's talk about how you are as a leader and how you run your business and those kinds of concepts. And so I didn't really learn a lot about it. But then as I, you know, started growing in my career, I started meeting leaders who were not only intelligent people, but they often would, you know, lead with their heart. And so I started getting really introduced to people who cared about me. And I was like, huh, this is, this is, this is interesting. Like these are, you know, they're powerful people who are in, in, you know, leadership positions, but they actually have, you know, this, this heart. And so that piece of it kind of got me thinking like, what, what is this? Why is this different? Is this normal? This isn't something we learned about. And then fast forward to my thirties, I had an opportunity to go through a leadership program. And in that leadership program, it was very focused on emotional intelligence. That was a part of every book we had to read. It was all about vulnerability and it was really kind of learning how you bring yourself to to your office or to the business or to the organization or how you present. And I I looked back and learned so much during that time, but it's it's been a little while now and I think it's still progressing. But that was really when I learned kind of what EQ was, you know, at the time. 
That's fascinating. And I, like you, went to business school in undergrad and it was never a, definitely not a topic. In in all fairness, the gentleman who coined the term, Daniel Goleman, wrote his book, Working with Emotional Intelligence. It wasn't only a matter of five or plus years before I graduated from undergrad. So there wasn't a lot of time for it to be integrated in the world. However, when I went to grad school, that was when I was introduced to that book, Working with Emotional Intelligence, which if you've never read it, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, and the first night of grad school, I was in a management and organizational behavior class, and this was going to be our text. And the teacher told us about the concept of emotional intelligence. And my mind was absolutely blown because like you, I, nobody ever talked about this. It was never a thing. And I always, you know, had struggled in school and struggled in a lot of my professional jobs as well. And but I knew that there were certain things that I could do really easily. And I always, you know, was trying to find a place for that or validate that or just didn't really know where I fit at the time. And in the book, one of the things that he talks about right at the beginning is that emotional intelligence is the new yardstick for success, right? It is the measurement of the measurement of how successful you are going to be in your career and your life is dependent upon one thing, how effectively you can work with other people to get things done. And I was like, bingo, I know I can work really effectively with other people to get a lot of things done because I can connect with people in a very easy and authentic way. And it was always, that was always something I was really good at. Whereas some of the other stuff in, I learned in school definitely was not at the, at the strengths part of that. So I felt an incredible sense of validation, right? Even before I worked for a leader who demonstrated any emotional intelligence, just learning about the concept was incredibly validating that IQ was no longer the determining factor of how successful you're going to be, which up until that point, you probably remember that from growing up. It's like, what's your IQ? How smart are you compared to so-and-so and somebody else? So, you know, as you went through this leadership training program and emotional intelligence became like you learned the structure, which we're going to get into here in a minute, but what kind of impact and changes did it have on your world and your role as a leader? Yeah, I think, you know, what was really interesting in going through that is I think up until that time, I always thought, even when we started talking about it, it was emotional intelligence was you. It was all about you, right? It was how you were perceived. It was what you brought to the table. And so when I first got into it, it was like, oh man, I have to do a, a 360 review and we're going to do, you know, the insights profiles. And we did DISC probably before that and kind of learning your leadership style and who you are. But there's so many layers below that that surface when you do more and more of these, I don't want to say tests, but they are tests or things where people are, are really reviewing who you are. And I think my first insights profile that I the first time I took an insights test, if you've never taken insights, it's it's actually a really good one. But the first time I took it and I got the document back and I was reading it, I was horrified. I was like, I'm a red, you know, people look at that and go, oh, you have a dominant personality or whatever. But I I would, I was reading it and, it and it's like all these great things about you. And then it's all the really bad things, right? So that you're aware that that is how you can be perceived. If you, if you, if something happens and you react differently, you tend to react a certain way based on those profiles. And so when I went through that, I was shocked. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not a nice person, right? Because of, of just being labeled with a red color, taking a test. And what does that mean? And so I think that was like my first 
getting into that, I took it before I did this leadership program. When I got into the leadership program, I had a lot of people, we did the same thing again and I had the same color. I'm not going to change that overnight. And as the the year or the year went on that we were in this leadership program, it was interesting because we would get together after every meeting and your your team would critique you and critique your how you came to the meeting, if you were prepared, like all of those things. And my team kept saying, we want you to step up more. We want you to be more vocal. And I kept going, but that's not how I, that's not how I work, right? Like I am very, as we get through here, I tend to sit back and listen to everybody and kind of read the room and figure out what's going on before I speak up and and talk about things. And it was really interesting because I had my boss at the time go, why is everybody saying you don't talk a lot, (laughs) right? You're never, you're not speaking up enough. And I'm like, well, when I know what I'm talking about, and I'm in this situation, I know how to bring myself to the meeting. But when I am now in a different role, my role is different on this team, and I have to bring myself differently to that team. And so being aware of that and knowing how those two groups were going to perceive me, it just was different in how I how I showed up every day, right? And so I think that was one of the very first things that kind of made me sit back and go, okay, I really need to take stock every day and and as I'm going into different scenarios and think about how I'm going to be perceived and what is my presence in this moment. And so I think for me, that was the biggest aha moment going through all of that. And I've continued to grow and learn and take those things as I move forward. So that's been my my big Yes. Well, I love that you, you called out the, I have to take stock every day and even down to every situation that you're in, right? There is a different element perhaps of emotional intelligence and the pillars that we'll talk about that need to be either flexed or used or whatever, depending on the environment situation. This is not a one size fits all, you know, I always am X in Y situation. Like that just doesn't work because our day is dynamic. The people we work with are dynamic. The situation those people that we work with are coming to, are coming from before their interaction with us is dynamic. We will never know all the lay of the land, right? So our ability to adapt to those situations depends on our ability to be emotionally intelligent and depends on our ability to show up appropriately And it might be completely different from being in one meeting with one group of people and the next hour being in a different meeting with a different group of people, Uh right? And some people might think that's exhausting or some people might think it's kind of silly to pay attention to feelings or emotions because this is business. We got hard work to do. And the reality is it's where the real work is. Like you can't be an effective leader without being emotionally intelligent. Would you agree? Yeah, I I think it's... It's interesting when you are in a situation with someone who may not have been as introduced to the topic or has not gone through some of these things, and you can recognize it, I think, pretty quickly when you're in those scenarios. And so, yeah, I think it you have to be, and especially in today's world, everybody is kind of catching on, right? It's now, and, and it is more common from hiring to everyday conversations to all the things that are happening in business and, and the tough conversations that are taking place. And I think being able to handle all of that is just different today. Yeah. And if, if you know, some people say have a identity built around certain situations. Well, I'm always like this in this kind of case, or, or this is how I get things done. And if that ever thought ever crosses your mind, like that's a red flag, 
because yeah. you can't always do certain things. You can always guarantee that you will be emotionally intelligent in situations. But if you say, I always approach every problem like this, you'll never win because there's no possible way you could ever be right all the time with one approach, right? <laughs> right. It's being dynamic and adapting and reading the room, which we'll get into here in a little bit. So, okay. So let's talk about, before we get into the pillars, let's talk just a little bit about some of the most common misperceptions that you've seen around emotional intelligence. I'll share some of mine as well, because I really want to get clear on what it is, which we'll get into, but what it isn't. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. And one, it really is that it is about not just the you and your emotions, right? I used to think like, I'm I'm not an emotional person. Therefore, how am I going to be emotionally intelligent, right? I mean, some people just don't express their emotions the same. And so personality or how you how you are as a person may not necessarily have anything to do with all the aspects of emotion emotional intelligence, right? It's just people look at you and go, your personality is you're an extrovert. Therefore, you're going to be an amazing ex, right? not necessarily some that's that is the one thing I've seen and I think that was true in my situation too I had people who had kind of pigeonholed me by a color and how I was going to show up and it was a little bit unfair and then I think too the other one is it's not about being happy all the time are you this happy person who always you know can show up and be out outgoing and can do all of these things really well because to your point earlier it can get exhausting and sometimes you know not not all people are happy are the most emotionally intelligent people out there. So those are the few things that I think I've run into. Those are those are fantastic. And I agree 100%. It's not about being happy. And it's not about, you know, just stuffing everything in and, and not feeling emotion. It's not about letting everything out and feeling every single emotion, right? It's about the awareness and regulation. We'll get into some of this. But the other key piece, which I touched on before, which I think is just really important to drive home is that this is not like the woo-woo fluffy stuff, right? This does not transcend into that. There is perception that if you talk about emotions, you're going to get down that side. But the reality is, this is how you connect with people. And in your role as a leader, single most important thing you need to do is to be effective at getting work done through other people and with other people. And in order to do that, you have to be able to connect with them. So if you're, if your connection capability is incredibly strong, you can be incredibly successful as a leader. That's the coolest outcome of all this, right? And it is not anything that, you know, should be paid lip service to. It should be something real that you can really improve every single area we're going to talk about, no matter what, and no matter what your experience is and where you are today. That's one of the coolest coolest things because in the IQ world, IQ was a measurement of intelligence for a long period of time. It was the only measure of intelligence for a long time. And the sad part was your IQ doesn't really change after your early formative years, right? So imagine being told that your trajectory in life (laughs) is going to be determined by something that does not evolve and you cannot change. Like, no, thank you. (laughs) I I don't like that. But emotional intelligence, on the other hand, you can 100% improve every single area, every day, every week, every month, every year, and become more and more and more emotionally intelligent, despite whatever circumstances you're in. Yeah, I okay. agree. <laughs> so let's 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 get into the five pillars. So they are, I'll list them out here, and then we're going to go into each, each one a little bit. So number one is self-awareness. Number two is self-regulation. Number three is motivation. Number four is empathy. And number five is social skills. These are the pillars of emotional intelligence as written by Daniel Goleman in the book, 
working with emotional intelligence. This is not my framework. It's not Cameron's. We are just discussing its application from a leadership perspective. So Cameron, why don't you take us through a little bit about the self-awareness piece and we'll dig in there. Yeah. So, you know, I think all I can say is self-awareness is you have to do the work. And I think what's been interesting is, you know, going through the opportunity to take some of these tests and learn a little bit about who you are is great. But a lot of times it's just learning, you know, what's your story, what's happened in your life that has kind of formed you into who you are and how you show up. And so I, I think it really is taking some time to, to do the work and be vulnerable. You know, you can read all the Brene Brown's books that are out there, but a lot of that really is that vulnerability of figuring out who you are and how you show up and what that means and how you're going to, you know, bring, bring those things forward and make the right choices. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that as human beings, we are emotional creatures, period. There is emotion in every single thing you go through every day, even if you don't think there is, there's actually an emotion tied to it because that's how our mind is built. That's how our body reacts. That's how things, whether we acknowledge those feelings and emotions or not is up to us and a whole different conversation, but building awareness, as you said, for what is going on is one of the most powerful first starting points, which is obviously why Mr. Goldman put it at number one was you got to be aware first. And that also involves being aware of your triggers. And we all have triggers, right? We've all been in situations in our lives, personal and professional, where something happens and we go down a certain path and we repeat the behavior over and over and over. And that's the exact point at which to become aware. Because if you can become aware, you have the potential to regulate it, which we'll get into that. But anything else you want to add on the self-awareness piece before we move on? No, but I'd be curious. I think for me, taking the test was big for me. So what was something for you that as you were kind of learning about it and figuring that stuff out? I mean, did you take tests and kind of were you put in those situations and how did you feel kind of going through that? Yeah, I did. The The most powerful test for me was the StrengthsFinder assessment from the Gallup organization. And like you, I had been through many of the others and always felt like the label just never really fit. You know, whether I was a introvert according to Myers-Briggs or some other color according to a different one. It just was, it just, I felt like I was being put in a box, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, well, you're that profile. Okay. You're that type of person. You're going to behave like this. And I was like, well, that doesn't cover it. No. And you know, there's lots of other people who I wouldn't have necessarily thought I was similar to who had the same profile as me. And it just made me all confused. So what I found with strengths was the ability to just have language to describe what I was naturally talented to do. That was the single most powerful thing that I could get and that helped me build incredible awareness of what I was really talented to do. What is the value that I can bring to this world and to my clients that I work with? And once I grabbed hold of that language, then every, it was like a beautiful lens to look at the entire world through. And when I understood somebody else's strengths, I could also understand the lens that they were looking through the world through. So that for me was from an assessment perspective was my most powerful one. And, and the one I still go back to all the time and with every client I work with. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So let's go on to the self-regulation. So we're aware of our emotions. Now let's talk a little bit about the regulation of those, because that can sometimes be a little bit of a challenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think what's interesting when, when you talk about self-regulation, and 
And a lot of times, again, kind of thinking back to those triggers, right? Figuring out what those triggers are. And I think self-awareness will, the, the assessments and the tests and those things will, will, will help a little bit, but it really is thinking back through those things that have happened in your life or those things that have, when have you reacted a certain way to a certain type of thing in the workplace, right? Or in your family life or, or what are a number of those different things? And, and do you, I like to say, do you respond or do you react? Because a lot of times if you, if you are a reactionary person, you will not think before you speak, right? It's kind of that immediate, I'm just gonna, like this has set me off and I'm gonna do X. And so I think really taking that time and learning how to sit back with your thoughts before you say something really fits into that. And it, it's hard, right? It, you know, depending on the situation that you're in and if it's super stressful and, and how are you going to present to that, but are you able to take those emotions, regulate them a certain way and kind of spin it to the positive and come out of it instead of thinking about how negative it is and what's happening right then and there? I think the aspect here is really thinking about what's going on, responding to it in a way, but then kind of adding that positive effect, I think is, is as you kind of read through a lot of these things, it's hard to connect those together because you often hear about self-regulation or management in, in a negative connotation, right? It's usually something has happened to you and you're going to respond to it instead of something's going on. It's causing me to feel a certain way. How do I pause for a minute and then respond to it with a, a positive outlook as, as best you can? So I think that's really, when I think about self-regulation or self-management, that's how I think about it. Yeah. And I, I love that you called out the respond versus react. And that that is our choice. And it's not always an easy choice to make. I acknowledge that 100%, but it is ultimately a choice. It's what separates humans from animals. We do not, we have instincts, but we have the ability to choose how we react. It doesn't happen all the time. And we see that played out in the world on a daily basis, but it is technically within us to choose how we respond in any situation. Now, the level of choice that you take or the level of pausing to regulate that that's where the real growth comes from and if you are finding yourself in situations where you know you get really frustrated and you react in the moment instead of pausing and, and responding while conceptually simple it can feel infinitely complex right and you went through a situation like this that had a profound impact on your careers I wonder if you'd share that with us because it just highlights how all of this comes together and how it can, you know, be used, even though it can be a challenging situation, it can also be used for good. Yeah. And I think this, this example really goes back to my early, early career and I many since then, but this one, to your point, has been pretty profound in how I respond in a number of ways. And so I was an intern at the city manager's office. So my goal in life, what I wanted to do before B2B SaaS was be a city manager. And so I was super excited when I got my internship and I was, you know, young and I had, I had a city manager and two assistant city managers that I was working with. So I had three very different personalities that I was, was working with every day. And I, in our town, we had a situation where we had a group of people. If you know anything about government, we were taking over a water district. And whenever local government chooses to take something over, people are vocal about it and things start to happen. And so my, my job as the intern was to write some communication around, you know, kind of 
responding to a lot of their their negative letters and things they were writing to us. And so it was a really interesting time to be in, in that space and in that position. And my job given to me by one of the people that I reported to was to respond to them, to write the letter in response to all of this negative frustration of these people in our community. And so I did the letter and I had written it and and was going in to present it. And something had happened earlier in the day personally to me. And I, I can look back to that day and I'm sure I was visually, I was probably not all there in my normal, how I present and come to the meetings. Right. And I went into this meeting and I presented the letter and in turn just got yelled at and told basically that it wasn't good enough. It wasn't assertive enough. I needed to use stronger language. I needed to be, you know, get them to come to the, t- you know, come to the table and talk. And it was just like, I just felt small and I was just getting this constant yelling and I started crying and I'll never forget the person across the table who looked at me and went that right there is why you will never be a manager because you're a woman and you can't control your emotions. And I was like, I was just, I I didn't know how to respond at that moment. And I literally reached across the desk, grabbed the letter and got up and walked out. And I have no idea what happened after that point. (laughs) I was probably extremely upset. I remember leaving. I left the building just because I didn't want everybody to see me, you know, in that state. And I, after that, I was embarrassed because I had let my emotions flow. That wasn't my, how I would normally do things. I was scared that I was going to get in trouble for, you know, walking out of a meeting or doing something that wasn't great. I I just didn't really know how that was all going to be handled. What he didn't know that morning is my mom was diagnosed with ALS and I, she had been battling ALS for many years. And I got a call that morning that she wasn't doing well. And so emotionally I was a wreck, right? But I was really good at holding those things in and and keeping that in. One, it had nothing to do with me being a female, had nothing to do with the way I wrote the letter, had nothing to do with any of that. But because I was crying, he he immediately spun it into, you're an emotional wreck, you're a woman, and you're never going to be a manager. And Hmm. it had none of those things had anything to do with the letter or why I was upset. And I just... I remember just leaving. And when I look back on that after that day, well, first of all, it was horrible. And I hope that, you know, it's these stories you don't ever want people to have to deal with. And I remember that day when I left going, I, I'm going to prove him wrong. (laughs) Like I will be a leader. I will be a manager. I am a woman. And I, you know, I was just determined, right. That kind of was that spark I needed. I think back in the day to just be like, let me just prove you wrong. But at the end of the day, it was it was such a highlight in that he had no idea what was happening. And if he would have been a little bit more aware of what was going on, it probably maybe he wouldn't have responded that way. But my response to get up and walk out was the only thing I, I think I could have done at that moment. Personally, I know other people that probably would have yelled back or would have confronted him. and that's just not the person that I am. But I think that in that moment, I chose to just remove myself from the situation instead of getting into anything that could have led to a more negative situation down the road. 
Wow. My heart just breaks hearing that story, Cameron. That just, I mean, I think I commend you for having the wherewithal to get up and leave <laughs> in that moment <laughs> and not, and not, you know, go down any other path because that was an epic failure on that city manager's side of number one, self-awareness, complete fail. I had no clue the rage of emotions that that person was feeling around the letter that you wrote. Now, interesting thing is, who knows what that city manager was doing right before he met with you. They could right. have been getting chewed out by somebody else, or they could have just had come from some terrible news themselves, right? But clearly the emotion took over and then our, you know, lizard brain, as Seth Godin calls it, was fight or flight, and it was fight. Like we're going, we're going to town. Somebody else is going down, and it's not me. And I'm just going to let it out because I need to let out pressure. And that's unfortunately how the most the majority of arguments and things happen. And they're literally just releases of pressure that has been built up. And then number two, the self-regulation. There was no regulation. It was pure, unfiltered. I'm going to make you feel small so that I feel big and validated. And so this is a perfect example of just complete failure in the first two pillars of emotional intelligence. And there was no taking into account that, hey, Cameron seems a little bit off. She seems a little bit different. Hey, maybe there's something else going on with her that I could be a human being and ask her about, but that didn't happen at all, right? So I think it's a perfect case of one, what not to do. And we're faced with situations like that every day where there are things that are going to frustrate the heck out of you as a leader. There's things that other people are going to do that do not line up with what you want. And if you act and react in this kind of a manner and don't adhere to the awareness and the regulation and understanding that other people have a div completely different world you'll never know about, you will fail absolutely miserably on your face. Guaranteed. Well, and I think, you know, that was many years ago. Right. And I think even fast forward to in the last year or two, there have been times where there's conversations where, you know, especially with COVID and everybody being at home and just things being off. And, you know, I think it's just having that, taking that moment, not just the person who's responding and reacting, but the person who's on the other side. Right. And just just taking that moment to to sit with your thoughts, as I like to say, sometimes it's just sit with your thoughts before you either at, either up, approach a situation with someone or you you get approached and how you respond to that. So it, it is both on both sides of it. And as a leader, you have to think about those things when you're in a meeting and you've just come out of something like that going wrong, right? And you've got to go into a totally different situation now and you don't know what's happening on the other side as well. So that's where this was perfect and that this is the one I go back to a lot because it does make me think about that when I go into not only how it made me feel, because I don't ever want anybody to, to feel that way when they're in a meeting with me, obviously never to that degree, but in any degree, right? Just not letting them finish a thought or not letting them, you know, talk about what's going on and going straight into what's happening. And I think sometimes it's that moment of having that that minute or so in the beginning of each meeting that you talk about in your book and in some of your leadership courses is just like bringing that human element to the meeting to make sure that you, these things don't don't happen or to try to navigate around them it's really important yeah. and, and the taking a pause while conceptually simple can be extremely difficult 
like well, no, make no mention. I'm not saying this is a piece of cake. And the next time you go into a conversation, you can easily just snap your fingers and perfectly pause and then come up with the right. Like, that's not the goal. The goal is, though, that you can always one of my exercises I love to do is just count to three, just three, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand in your mind before you say anything. And the interesting thing is that your brain will goes a million times faster in its thoughts than you can in your speech. So if you can give it the space, give it three seconds, what you say will be dramatically different than if you just started speaking right away. And it is, and it, because it's the, the amygdala is the part that feels threatened and it, it's the fear sense and, and the fight or flight is engaged, right? And if you are in that confrontation, the first thing you're gonna say is to try to defend yourself most likely. And if you can count to three, you have a far better chance of taking stock of the situation and then figuring out what the right way is to go forward. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> cool. All right, so we're at time for this episode, but this has been so good and we got more to dig into on emotional intelligence. So I think we got to turn this into a two-parter. So this is part number one. We've been talking about self-awareness, self-regulation. Next time we'll get into the other three pillars, which are motivation, empathy, and social skills. Cameron, it's been a pleasure to talk with you and we will con reconvene for round two here very soon. And it'll come back short, come out shortly after this episode. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks Nils. This was great. It's, it's always awesome having a conversation with you. And even though we're not walking, it's beautiful <laughs> outside. So we can pretend that we're walking around. I, I, I'm imagining <laughs> our Ben loop around the lake right now. So I'm, I'm with you hundred <laughs> percent. All right. Take care. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.